The Sportzilla Show starts now. Everybody give it up for Rob Gronkowski. Did I have Money. to take a pay cut? Let me let me tell you this. To get a deal done here was a lot easier than getting a deal done with the oh, Patriots. Really? <laughs> Once in a while in the locker room, Tom had to put his foot down on me, you know, control me a little bit. Y'all let me get that scream going. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about Julian. Well, let me tell you something, brother. First off, he calls himself the squirrel. You want to know why he calls himself the squirrel? Because he is a squirrel. He's furry. He's cute. He's elusive. He's feisty. And most importantly, whenever he gets a chance, he gets that nut. Just like he gets a first down. Just like he gets the touchdown. Just like he'll give you a catch when you need it. All right. Time to crack a dump in my new house. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Fame and Scoop. Our opener the past couple of days has featured audio of Rob Gronkowski of Gronk with a cameo in the pop culture world of well, I believe that was Family Guy and uh, talking about being neighbors with the Griffins and he gronk a dump in his new house. He wanted to try that out for the first time. Well, he uh. he was a former player in the NFL. You may be aware of that. Won some rings with the Patriots and he's got some tie-ins with uh, family going to Syracuse University. He's now a commentator, an analyst with Fox covering football. And he said it perfectly, though, because officiating as far as the National Football League is now Gronk to dump. Uh, it's terrible. It's worse than ever. We are being rhetorical in saying that because it's obvious to everybody. Everybody is complaining. And there's a couple of reasons for it. Scoop, gambling and spreads. And they're selling their souls in the NFL, and it doesn't look good. It's, it's rotten. It's broke. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what they said in the beginning of the season in dealing with this issue. It's broke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's horrible. We all saw what happened to the Saints last year. Yeah. We all saw what happened to the Lions last night. We've seen ridiculous things happen on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes on Sunday thinks he's got a free play and throws an interception, and it's not a free play after all. The Cleveland Browns were scorched by the officials in their game on Sunday. This is not just like an outlier. It's not like something that just happens every once in a while. It's almost every game now. You almost have to plan on it happening when you watch an NFL game now. The Jets and the Cowboys game is another perfect example. I think there was six straight plays. Maybe it was even nine straight plays. The point is, it was every single... You're watching this going, you got to be kidding me. And the NFL has been sort of slow to embrace this whole gambling thing. I mean... We've had tip sheets and all that sort of stuff passed around for amusement purposes only at the job or wherever for a long time now. Okay. But if this is going to become more of a thing in casinos and sports books, we have one at Turning Stone now. Sorry, NFL, you've got an integrity problem. Big time. You've got a problem with your officiating, uh, officiating crews. I don't know what game they're watching. Scoop, I want to share a piece of audio with you and everybody else listening right now from last night. And and then I have to explain something to you right after. The Lions Mason were... Crosby for a game winner here from only 23 yards away. And now to play hero again. And there it is. Walk it off and win it for Mason Crosby. 
Less of a leap and more of an assist for the Lambeau Leap, but it was well earned. And what a game it was. Oh, brother. I didn't mean to jump the gun on you. I know you had a quick comment. What a game it was. What a crap game it was. The Lions were screwed. What you just heard... They were officiated out of a victory last night. That's exactly right. What you just heard there was the end of the Monday Night Football game last night, won by the Packers. Gush, gush, gush. Oh, what a game. And A travesty. Is it a conspiracy theory to at least think there's a possibility that something was going on to make that happen? Because what you just heard was a fraud. Because it wasn't even close. They weren't even questionable, these calls. They were blatantly wrong. You clearly wrong. It wasn't even close. I mean, the hands of the face, we could go on and on it's, and on. Uh, he's in the chest. The hands are in the chest. And, you know, people are trying to credit the Packers with a good sell job. It wasn't even that good acting. It's crazy to think that we're beating a dead horse in talking about this issue because any football fan, even... Your passionate football fans, your casual football fans. If you take any time out of your life to watch these games, it's driving you crazy. It's, well, it's, I it's, don't think you need to even watch the games. Memes are taking over social media about all this. And tweets are going crazy. Producer Matt chiming in. He's absolutely right. Clay Matthews the third. Here's his tweet. The storyline for the 2019 season continues to be the ref's inability to make the accurate and correct calls week in and week out. Al Al Riverens continues to blindly side with his refs and the current status quo. Something must be changed. Zero accountability through the wire. Hashtag. We love this sport. We like to sit down on the couch and watch these games and get involved with it. Trash talk with our buddies. But you're ruining the whole experience, Roger Goodell. You and your just clueless officiating crews. I don't know what they're watching. You've got to get a G League or something where we've got some young guys that are maybe trying to play their way to a spot on the team, and we got some young guys who maybe could be officials. Because these guys we got suck. XFL drafts today and tomorrow, and it was garbage. <laughs> Matt chime back in, producer Matt. He actually had a little bit of time earlier today. You said you watched some of the footage of the XFL draft. Tell me what you told me earlier this afternoon about visually and, and everything else. It was visually unappealing. You had the draft board on the left-hand side of the screen. In the lower, lower right, you had the XFL logo. And in the top right, maybe in a 4 by 4 box, you had a little webcam of the commissioner's table and all the other drafts that were going on. Just whenever the commissioner was talking, you would see that little pop-up. And when the team was talking, you'd see them pop up. And the audio was terrible. The uh, visual, you could barely even see people who were talking. It was just probably the worst draft I've ever seen. Did I see Cordell Jones, perhaps, possibly, is a quarterback that signed with the league. Do you remember him? Uh, I'm filming. Oh, in. Cardell Jones. Cardell yeah. Jones. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I said Ohio Cor- State. The Ohio State guy. Yeah. I, I misspoke. Yeah, Cardell Jones. Sorry about that. A lot of information in front of me right now. Thanks, kick, save, and a beauty, guys. Is the XFL what you're looking for, though? Is a training ground, a proving ground for the NFL? They need something. I think the G League is a great thing that the NBA has. The NHL has the AHL. Sorry, college football ain't it for the NFL. And there are lots of guys out there who maybe get overlooked in the draft or just don't make a team that I think are deserving of a shot to play somewhere else. And maybe 
in a league, uh, an equivalent of the G League, they could play their way onto an NFL roster, and maybe we'd have some guys that really knew how to officiate because they're doing it more often. Well, the fact of the matter, Scoop, is the way that they officiate in college is different than the NFL. It's slightly different rules. One perfect example that you can't even tell in the NFL, is it pass interference or is it not? Just the way that they mark the foul in college football is different than the NFL. It's I think it's 15 yards in college. And it's a spot of the foul, wherever it happened to happen, wherever the uh, pass interference happened to be on the field, that's where they put the ball. That's where they spot the ball in the NFL. So it's different. You need the G League or something along those lines and equivalent so that the officiate, the officials that are learning and trying to get good enough to go to the NFL, which the bar is very low right now, at least they're officiating the exact same rules. I just think these pampered fat cats that are the NFL's referees could maybe be influenced by some people who have money on the games. Clearly. And I'm a little concerned about that, and I just don't think the league has ever really been proactive. I I mean, going back 25 years. They've been proactive to improve the quality of officiating in the league when they routinely cannot tell time when everybody in America, as Booger McFarland points out last night, when everybody in America can tell that the call has been blown and nothing happens or the the call isn't overturned, we sit there and we go, why eventually we're gonna go, why am I watching this? There's billions, dumb. billions, billions and billions and billions of dollars. It's just like a, a, a <laughs> it's sport. It's becoming like wrestling. Yeah. It's sports entertainment. Oh, pretty catch. What a game. It's not, oh, that gushy gush call of the announcer there. Scoop. Was that Joe Bacher? I don't know who, who was that. I don't know. Scoop and Rain here, the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We're just echoing the sentiments of all football fans. Here's It's gotten to this point, too. Jack Del Rio, former player and, of course, coach, has now used an emoji, an angry emoji, an angry swearing emoji. If you saw Jack Del Rio's tweet, so he's got the emoji with the swearing face. It's angry. And he says in his tweet, four major blown calls tonight. All four went against the Lions. DB going for interception called for unnecessary roughness. And non- I'm just giving you one example of many complaints that are out there. But he says a DB going for the interception called for unnecessary roughness, a non-call on a blatant DPI, then two ridiculous calls for hands to the face. Refs can't guess and can't get these wrong. Lions would have won by two scores. And he tagged the NFL in that. They need to be more transparent. Who is this guy or person that is buzzing into their headsets, the officials? You know, when you see them touch their cap and they're listening to somebody. Why isn't that whole process more transparent? Why can't we see that guy in his booth watching uh, the, the video? It it just looks so ridiculously shady. Nobody has screwed up officiating worse than the NFL. I think that with South Park having a new episode, I believe, tomorrow night and being one of the best satires in the planet, really, they could get to the bottom of this. Perhaps they could put out an episode and bring Roger Goodell back and they could show us who is that person that's getting in the heads and these conspiracy theories? Maybe there is something to them. I bet you they know. I, I'm not being ridiculous. They, the Simpsons seem to predict everything. There's another option. Let's get an episode written in quick time about that very thing. It's it's everybody. Everybody's mad about this. I'll give you another one. You Scoop. feel like you wasted three hours when the officials can't see the obvious calls. 
Jordan, who works in our office, is a huge Lions fan. Okay, and he's like, he's he was so angry last night. I'm canceling the NFL ticket, and I'm not watching games, and I'm not buying any more merch. There's a lot of people that get so angry about that. I suppose maybe there's some people because it affects your fantasy football team and things like that. And we all obviously already mentioned the wager aspect in all of this. But let me give you another one. Tony Dungy. I'm not saying officials cost Lions the game. I'm saying three wrong calls and one obvious miscall and one half is not acceptable. It doesn't matter who wins the game. It just There's so many of them. I could keep reading tweets for the, the rest of this segment if you really want to be two of people that are, are PO'd. They're angry. They're frustrated. Do something, Roger. Do something except parade around and look like a dumbass with a kick-me sign on your back. I swear to God, he is just... I don't know what he actually does other than he's been able to get them a lot of revenue with TV. I don't think the guy has a, a tenth of the brain of some of these other commissioners we've had. But he's got to do something about this. This is an embarrassment. Why do? You, why should somebody who's a, a Lions fan want to buy any more merch now? Because the whole thing looks like it's a farce. Rules. Like, I want to enjoy this sport. I want to have fun with it, but you ruin it with this officiating that is just nowhere close to being in touch with reality. Sports rules analyst Mike Pereira has proposed a sky judge. To I an- like that. To answer your question, that is one of the proposed solutions to solve this problem of the incompetence of referees and officiating. But th- the scary thing is with instant replay, we touched on this yesterday. It's not just in the NFL You're seeing bad calls. I looked at a pitch breakdown from the Yankees, who obviously uh, they've got game three coming up in just a little while today. But the Gary Sanchez at bat where they gave him that call back because the umpire had missed the swing and the miss and the ball in the dirt. And clearly it was a makeup call. And you're looking at it going, that is not even close. It's just not even close. I don't want I don't want umpires to be robots per se, but with the technology available, and the fact that we've already gone down that rabbit hole in with instant replay in all sports, yeah, you've got to incorporate it you, in, in a reasonable know, way. You know why we don't hear those on-the-field conversations between referees? Because they have microphones. You know why we don't hear those? Because it would be revealed how completely buffoonish and stupid they are. That's why we don't hear those conversations. Because they don't know what's going on out there. They need an eye in the sky to help them along because they... I don't, you better wear some glasses like DMC. Come on, man. You blind. We're going to take our first break. Scoop is uh, clearly in a passive aggressive mood today and is not really willing to share with us how he, how he very much feels, how he feels about this. An impassioned football fan. And there you go. But you're, You've got your finger on the pulse, I think, of how a lot of football fans care. That's called you passion. You stay up late to watch that garbage, and it ends like that. It, it's just not right. You're my boy, Blue. We're going to come back, talk to Lucas Favalli, play-by-play and voice for the Syracuse Crunch. They've got a game against rival the Utica Comets tomorrow night. We'll get you caught up. This is the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And we're going to talk a little Syracuse Crunch hockey. Good weekend in Cleveland for the club. Your play-by-play voice, Lucas Falali, a guy who probably had a few more hot dogs than he'd like a weekend or so back, (laughs) is joining us. On the Burdick Toyota guest line. 
Hi, Lucas. How Hello, are you? everyone. Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, you're right about the hot dog. There's a few too many, but uh, the crunch are playing well, and, and now we can really focus on the hockey as we uh, really shift our attention from uh, eating food to hitting, seeing the guys score goals on the ice. Actually, can we just ask one question about the hot dog eating contest? And the, oh, well, I mean, of course. We can ask whatever we want about that. I'm just, I, I finally got through that, which was a challenge. Well, I, I was interested in your suggestion that if you guys do this again, you go without buns. So it was you and Mark, and it was uh, Phil and Joe Roberts, the voice of the Utica Comets. And, of course, a great fun way off the ice to build the rivalry a little bit. And their home opener is tomorrow and the crunch will be down there before finally the home opener against the night on the 19th against Charlotte. But it's just a nice way to see members of the organizations out there. It happened at Turning Stone. And you guys got the point because you won in overtime with one more dog than they had. You had to feel good about it. I thought it was great. They were looking goofy in the hot dog contest or the hot dog costumes. And there have been allegations that maybe some of the hot dogs disappeared into those uh, costumes. Yeah, I think one or two may have gotten stuffed down those, uh, that costume. But <laughs> hey, at the end of the day, they always say the ball doesn't lie. I guess the dogs don't lie because yeah. we came out on top of that. Uh, but it was, yeah, if we did it again, I would love to just do the, you know, the actual dog as opposed to the bun. The bun is, it, it just adds such a different element, which I guess is what makes the, the real food uh, competitive, competitive eaters are as good as they are. Um, but, you know, it was overtime. It was, like you said, a great way to start the rivalry. And, and uh, now we actually get to see it 12 times on the ice. And we'll hope that they're all as close and competitive and entertaining as the hot dog contest was a week or so ago. There is just nothing appealing about seeing somebody taking that bun and soaking it in the water. Oh. And then, I mean, like, I love a good Hoffman's dog off the grill. You know, it's all brown and maybe you got a good brown muster on there. Or, you know, even maybe even some chili and you can really like enjoy it and savor it. But there is nothing about that experience that looks appealing. <laughs> the, the, yeah. they, they always say, what, enjoy in moderation, right? Like, oh, <laughs> that, my that Lord. That did not happen during the contest. <laughs> so, uh, maybe maybe we tweak it and bring it back to the meatballs because you've got a consecutive yeah. year streak of winning meatball eating contest. Lucas Favalli is the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, obviously, right here. And what are your thoughts going into this game against the Comets? It's a big rivalry game, and I think the fans feel a sense of that. And we've talked to Joe Roberts, the voice of the Comets. We've talked to different players in both organizations. They get a sense of that. It's it's clearly more important to the fan bases than it is necessarily to the players because the Comets and the Crunch will play a dozen times. They, you'll play Rochester a lot. You'll play Binghamton a lot. You'll play teams in your division a lot. But there is a little something between the Crunch and the Comets with the Galaxy Cup being part of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it, like you said, when you do talk to the players, they uh, part of what makes this rivalry great is, well, really the, the key is is the fans because the atmospheres in both arenas when the teams play, even though it is 12 times and it might feel like it gets repetitive at times, still every game the fans are into it, whether it's in Utica and obviously we know the, the fans that they have there or here at the War Memorial Arena, and it's almost always a sellout when the Comets are in town. Uh, it's just the energy that it brings, and then that translates onto the ice because the guys feed off of that. There's no doubt about it. Now, obviously, both arenas are full almost every night anyway, uh, but you just add the intensity to the level when there's, you know, fans from both teams who are in the arena. It just it ups the ante a bit, and, uh, yeah, the players absolutely feel it. And then you add the extra wrinkle of it being a home opener for the Comets. Uh, I think tomorrow is going to be a really – uh, you know, electric game. I, it, the two teams that look really talented on the ice, 
uh, just all the uh, the stuff going on off the ice with, like I said, the home opener and the rivalry. It should be a really entertaining game uh, tomorrow night, and then you know the rest of the eleven matchups after that. You know, in Cleveland over the weekend, I saw, I think it was the Friday night game had an attendance of 11,676. I didn't see the numbers for Saturday night, but that's got to be a pretty exciting crowd to play in front of and uh, and an engaged atmosphere, fan base. And grab a couple of wins out of the weekend, too. What do you think, Lucas? (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Cleveland does a great job. We obviously saw them in the playoffs last year, and and it did not go the crunchiest way, but a couple of great crowds in the playoffs last year. Uh, for the Crunch, they, this is going to be their third home opener that they're playing as a visiting team. They opened the season, obviously, in Rochester, but the Amherst home opener a couple Fridays ago. And then, like you said, Friday and Saturday in, in Cleveland, two really big crowds. There's 11,000-plus on Friday, and then I think it was about 8,000 on Saturday. So back-to-back games are really good crowds. And, uh, you know, playing in those arenas and those environments certainly helps moving forward. Uh, as you get deeper and deeper into the season and the crowds do get bigger and bigger as you move along. And, and obviously, like we've already said, when you play in an arena like in Utica where it's a, a jammed house and, and almost everyone in that building is, is screaming against you, uh, it, I think playing in those environments, like we've seen the first two games of the year, uh, it will help the crunch not only tomorrow but moving forward. And, and for me, it's, it's fun to see. And, and you know for the players, uh, it, it's a lot easier to play in front of a big crowd when there is energy in the building as opposed to, uh, maybe a, a weeknight game somewhere in the middle of the season where you're just not seeing the crowd. And it's a little bit harder. I, you know, the players don't really want to admit it, but it is harder to get up for those games as opposed to, you know, the, the rivalry games or, or where you're playing in front of 11,000 or whatever the number might be. What did you really like over the weekend that the the Crunch did? A part of their uh, their game, a, a part of their performance? What were they doing well? Some things that stood out to you that – you know, we're encouraging, bode well going forward. Yeah, well, I think the strength right now, this crunch team is, I mean, they're really good top to bottom, but I think the strength is the goaltending, and we saw some great goaltending uh, in Cleveland for the crunch. It started last Friday with Scott Wedgwood, who made his crunch debut. He was really good in his first game. Crunch did not play particularly well, at least uh, that's what the players and the coaching staff has said. They have up a lot of chances for the Monsters, uh, but the crunch still came out with a two-on win because Wedgwood was, uh, really, really solid in his first crunch start of the year. Now, he's expected to go tomorrow for the crunch against the Comets, but he was great last week in his first outing of the year. Louis Domingue is obviously, he's got the name recognition. He's got the talent. Ben Grew, crunch head coach, has said when he is on his game, he's probably the best goalie in this league and really doesn't belong in this league with the talent that he can bring to the crunch and to the AHL. Uh, so uh, the Crunch are stacked there with those two. They also got Mike Condon, who we haven't seen yet this year uh, in net. But uh, I think those two were probably the, the brightest spots. We've also saw a first pro goal with Peter Abandonado, a couple of power play goals. Early in the season, the, the special teams has really driven the Crunch. Their, their power play is second in the league, uh, about 33%. Penalty kill is a perfect 13 for 13. So uh, especially when that's working early in the year, when people and teams are still really trying to find their games, if your special teams is hot early, that can carry a team for a while. And right now, uh, that's been a big part of it, along with the goal, yeah, goaltending, excuse me, is uh, they've gotten off to a pretty solid start, although it's only three games into the year. Voice of the Syracuse Crunch, Lucas Favalli, of course, with us on the guest line today on the Sportsilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I wanted to ask, and I had asked Jim Sorosi the same question, but we saw Luke Shen uh, play a few games with the Comets last year. Big, strong, bruising defenseman. I was curious, uh, you've finally got a chance to see him 
And, and I told Jim, you're going to love this guy on this roster, especially when you've got Cal Foote, who's been acclimating himself well, but still, you know, rookie. Uh, he's a couple weeks into his first season. When you got a guy like Luke Shen back there to guide these guys, you, you really couldn't ask for more. He's a pro's pro, a really solid player. What did you observe? Yeah, uh, Luke has come in and been a great addition to this team. Punch got a couple of big additions last week with Shen and Jamel Smith, yeah. uh, a forward who came down from Tampa Bay as well. But getting back to Shen, yeah, he is. Uh, he came in. I mean, one of the hits he delivered in Cleveland was right at the red line, open ice collision, and the monster went flying. It was a great hit right at the red line, and it ended up turning into a scoring chance for the crunch as somebody picked up the puck and went right in uh, on net. But just not only the physicality, but like you said, the presence he brings, uh, he and Calfoot actually go back a couple years as well. Uh, they uh, both played, obviously, years apart with the Kelowna Rockets in the Western Hockey League uh, for their junior days. And uh, I guess when Cal was there, Luke Chen had gone back and was skating there over the summer before you know his camp was getting underway in the NHL. So they go back a few years, and uh, both right-shot defensemen. Obviously, their games are a little different. Like you said, Luke Chen is more of that physical player, a stay-at-home D-man. Cal is, it can play both ways. And he had four points over the weekend in Cleveland, but yeah, he is a, he's a big presence on the Crunch blue line, and and even without him, the Crunch defensive core is pretty solid. But when you throw in a, a player who's played almost 800 NHL games, it uh, can play like you said the style that he plays. That is a huge addition for the Crunch, and he has looked really solid. He is he's a great guy, first of all, off the ice, and uh, I think that has really benefited the Crunch. Obviously, he wants to get back to the NHL at some point this year. But for as long as he's here in Syracuse, he is going to be a major piece on that crunch blue line. I'm curious what the buzz is in the halls around the office about the Corey Conacher movie, uh, Miracle Baby, that showed at the Syracuse International Film Festival over the weekend. You guys were in Cleveland, but uh, somebody has to be talking about it in the office there. (laughs) He's the best. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was. I mean, it was great. We saw the the camera crew and the documentary crew around a bunch last year, and uh, just to, to finally get that final product. And Corey was really uh, really pleased with the way it ended up turning out. Obviously, and and I chatted with him before our game on Saturday in, in uh, Cleveland just to talk about the documentary and what it means to him and everything like that. And boy, he was just glowing at and obviously the the fact that it's it's out there now. Uh, but he has been such a you know champion and a proponent of of being able to fight through what he has gone through in his, his life with the diabetes and, and was born with the, the bladder issue and, and everything like that. So just the, the fact that he is so open about it and, and so readily available. I mean, he, he wants people to reach out to him or going through that so he can kind of be that mentor for, for them because he said when he was a young player and, and you know, when he was a kid and he ran into you know those issues, he, he was looking up to other folks who were already playing pro hockey and, and that's kind of how he got started in it, knew he would be able to make it through all of this, and, and he wants to be that role model, that, that person who people can look to as well. So, yeah, it was really neat, uh, really great for, uh, for him, and uh, just, just proud. Of, obviously, we're all proud of what he has done, not only on the ice, but off the ice and, and as a person like that. Lucas Favalli, let's make this a regular habit, okay? Yeah, for sure. This is fun. Pre-game, 6.45 tomorrow night. That's when you'll take things and, uh, of course, give everybody Syracuse Crunch Utica comments tomorrow. Am I correct? 
Yes, exactly. 6.45 in the crunch in the comments at 7 or so. I mean, it's obviously home opener, so might have a couple of uh, minute delay like we've seen early in the year, but that's the plan, 6.45 pregame tomorrow night. There you go. If you're a Syracuse Crunch fan, Lucas Favalli will join us on the regular. The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We're coming back to talk Major League Baseball. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Marley Rivera from ESPN has tweeted a little while ago. She said several players have told me that they've been told they will not likely play tomorrow due to weather. So there are a few weather issues of concern, but obviously the Yankees play today against the Houston Astros. Game three back at Yankee Stadium. Series is split, obviously, 1-1. Severino and Garrett Cole, who I also... Man, that guy is just untouchable. I also saw, let me just get back to this. Uh, what did it say? What was the direct exact quote? Bear with me here. Cole is going to get Bryce money. The Cy Young favorite Garrett Cole's free agency looms over the Astros playoff run and his teammates are preparing for him to walk. He's going to get serious money. Does he get that kind of, I don't think he's getting 13 years, but he's getting that per season. He's going to get a huge deal and good for him. I, I don't know. 18 in a row. The guy is untouchable. I mean, for a while there, he had that streak of 73 innings with at least one strikeout. I mean, how deflating is it if the Yankees win? They beat him. Doesn't matter if you win one, nothing, two to one, however you can get there. I I mean, what a, what a confidence boost for the team and a deflating thing for the Houston Astros. If, if that happened, you never know because that's baseball, Susan. Well, look, it could happen. The streak has to come to an end at some point. It's, It's, it's going to be a night where he's out there and he just doesn't have his best stuff. It happens. Uh, they also, I think, got to be patient. And, you know, the, the Yankees are really good, I think, at uh, later in the game, figuring guys out, you know, when they're at the plate. And I just, when I've watched, I always kind of cringe. I don't like the swinging at the first pitch stuff. You know, I'm old school. I work like account. Work account. I like uh, you know hitting to the opposite field. I like small ball manufacturing runs. Yeah, Aaron Judge crushing a ball is awesome. But a Brett Gardner triple to the gap in left center field, or Cameron Mabin, or something like that. Stolen or- bases. I love that. Which we we're getting less and less in the game right now, but. It's also nice to see a, a starting pitcher, for example, go, say, at least six, maybe seventh, eighth, and see one of those masterpieces. It's obviously something you want from your own team and not the opposing starter, but you like to see things like that because that's when the postseason playoff heroes, World Series heroes are made in sports, when you perform when the most is on the line. Garrett Cole's a guy that can do that. Then again, Luis Severino is a guy that can do that. He's got elite stuff. He just hasn't isn't put it together as consistently as Garrett Cole has this well, year. He needs to have the game of his life tonight. It's the, he is the scariest pitcher. I mean, three hundred and something, three hundred twenty-four, three hundred twenty-five strikeouts this year for Garrett Cole. Listen, it, it doesn't. You go. Oh, a lot of guys throw two hundred something. Not many guys throw for over throw over three hundred strikeouts in a season. That's a remarkable number. You're talking your Nolan Ryan's and your Randy Johnsons there. Those are the guys that do that. He's just a dominating force out there on the the mound. It's as if he's commanding the game. Yeah, he's just he is taking charge of any game that he's in when he's on the mound. You know, the the hitters are trying to catch up with what he's doing and, and his ball placement and you know, 
Guy's amazing. That's what you said. The Sportzilla Show, ESPN <laughs> Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Scoop and rain talking playoffs, playoff baseball. 408 is your first pitch today. You know the pitching matchup now. Other than a quick cameo the other night, Aaron Hicks had been brought back and put on the roster for the ALCS. He is starting today. Giancarlo Stanton is officially available to hit off the bench. Aaron Boone covered for a very brittle player by saying, oh, he'd be on the in, the IL, the, or used to be the DL if you want to go old school, if it wasn't for the fact that it was the playoffs. So protecting his player, giving him a little bit of cover. I, I don't know. I mean, at, at this point in the year, there's guys that just suck it up with injuries and try to be there for their team. I don't know, but but I don't I don't know what he feels like. I don't know what's happening within his body or in that quad. Maybe he can't swing properly. You never know. Well, well I think this is uh, an important game tonight, this afternoon, because it was so deflating the way they lost the other night. I think as good of a game as it was to watch and enjoy, you wonder, okay, uh, now you got to face Garrett Cole, which can be a de- deflating, uh, humiliating, bring you down to earth kind of experience, you know, because the guy is hard to hit. So. I'm curious to see the sort of patience that the Yankees have tonight, or if they could just get out on the guy and get a lead. Just, I don't anticipate that. I think I think we're going to have like a scoreless first several innings, you know, uh, and that the scoring is going to be later in the game. But is it a matter of an error or something like that, or maybe a, a walk that's not wanted? You got to not walk guys when your fate. That's the thing for Severino. You got you got to keep the base runners. Limited. You can't have many. You and know, if you're, you're the Astros, for double plays. If you're the Astros, you got to feel like almost invincible with Gary Cole on the mound. Yeah, I would think confidence is very high, even on the road, even in the Yankee Stadium playoff environment. It is a Bronx Zoo. I mean, it's a very, it's very different feeling in the new stadium, even in October baseball, than the old stadium. But it's still electric. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. It's a little bit more spacious, and yeah, it's more corporate now with the expensive seats, but. The environment in the Bronx for a playoff game is second to none. Garrett Cole's never been through something like he's going to experience on the mound tonight. That's the one thing that you can hope for. Maybe it gets into his head a little bit. I don't know. When when you have that kind of physical ability and you are in your prime at the peak of your career, pitching the best you have ever pitched before, having the best season of his career, I don't know. He's just kind of in the flow of it right now. I just think he's feeling it. You know, and we probably won't have to talk about, knock on wood, some egregious officiating error tonight. I mean, I suppose it's a possibility, but geez, every stupid football game, we got to talk about that now. It's a good thing that this is baseball. I just wanted to mention, we're up against our next break real quick, but just 30 seconds, Scoop, if you could give me that. Steven Strasburg, who for a brief minute was a Syracuse chief. I remember they had sold out uh, 15,000 in Syracuse. You don't see that crowd that often. Obviously now the Syracuse Mets, but... He, man, you want to talk about about a guy that in the postseason has come into his own. Everybody's been talking about Masahiro Tanaka and his ERA with a minimum of five starts and the historic place that he is in the game now. He's just a money playoff starter. Well, Steven Strasburg's in that conversation now, too. He actually has a lower earned run average based on the same criteria than Masahiro Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka has been fantastic in the playoffs in October for the Yankees. Steven Strasburg is that that whole Nationals pitching staff. Everybody's given credit to the Yankees and their bullpen and the starting staff on the Astros. 
Look at the Nationals. They're demolishing the Cardinals right now. The Cardinals can't hit at all. And from top to bottom in the order, they're not a good hitting club. They rely on, you know, a few of their guys to carry a lot of the load. And two runs, two runs in three games, 11 hits. You know, and they got most of those hits last night. There's a word for for what it's been for them. Bad. It's been bad. I I don't know how they even win a game at this point. Let's uh, talk some Syracuse stuff next. A little bit on Syracuse Pitt on Friday night. A little bit from Dino's presser. Uh, Perhaps a few little tidbits from a couple of Syracuse guys as we hashtag Pro Orange. We'll do that next. The SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. It's the Romano Subaru pregame show. Friday, Seth Goldberg and Brent Axe getting you ready for the Orange versus the Panthers. They're going to share with you all the experts who have weighed in on ESPN Syracuse over the course of the week, including Eric Dungy and head coach Dino Babers. GMAC's going to join us every Monday starting the 29th of this month for the basketball Ooh. season. Thought I'd share that. Well, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. SU, SU basketball-related, Timberwolves have officially signed Ty's battle to a contract. I thought that that was fantastic. I had another tidbit to, for you, too. Wait a minute. Where did I put it? Keith Bullock, hashtag pro-orange, former orangeman in the pros. Or a former pro. Says Paul Pasqualoni, the coach before Dino, or a couple coaches before Dino Babers was my college coach, and he's still coaching with a bunch of different emojis, by the way, in this tweet. Says, I probably still, he's probably still mean as hell. (laughs) Coach P don't play. Watched him make so called grown men in quotes cry in college. Quote, let's go, let's go, let's go. Paul Pasqualoni voice. I can't get my voice as deep as Paul Pasqualoni's was. He says, if you want to be good, you're going to listen to Paulie. So that's just a few little tidbits been going on in the world of Syracuse sports. But there is a game against Pitt on Friday. And our good friend Mike McAllister, who we have on from time to time on the SportsZilla show with 247 Sports, he did put out a review of Dino's remarks, his previews of this rivalry game against Pittsburgh. A couple things of note to me in addressing injuries. He went Belichick where he was like, Listen, I don't really know what's going on right now. And I don't know how much he's actually going to tell us. There's clearly, obviously, we're into game six, as he said. And we know who we are at this point in the season. And we know that we've got to get better. This entire team realizes, especially on the offensive line, to address that concern. Yes, we've got to get better. Yeah, we're concerned about Pittsburgh's defensive line. They bring it and they blitz and they blitz and they blitz and they blitz. And then, of course, talked about his overall confidence in the team. And he said his confidence is good, Scoop. He says, my confidence is good. I know there might be some confidence lacking in other places, but my confidence is good. I'm glad that all the frost and all the fluff is gone. We're looking at where we're at. This is where we get excited. We either go out and be what everyone says we are. We can prove them wrong. It's going to take a lot of work because it's not like you can just flip that light switch. What you see is what we are right now. It doesn't mean you've got to stay there. And I think the guys have put in a couple good days of practice and they're ready to turn a new leaf. Hopefully we see that on Friday night. Boy, can he coach the Cleveland Browns? He can coach anybody he wants. But the, the same sort of arc, really, you know, with the, the Browns and this Orange football team, the excitement, the expectations preseason that were probably a little bit lofty. Surely, with a new quarterback, of course. And 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 then things, you don't win the games you're supposed to win. I mean, it's 
it's uh, almost the same story, the same trajectory in a lot of ways. Scoop, this is how you get down to the brass tacks of it. You funnel things down to what's truly important. There's no hyperbole, no crap, no BS, no nothing. Dino Babers, quote, obviously we're getting ready for the Panthers, disappointed about the last contest, excited about the new one. Once again, a good opportunity to play one of our rivals. We've got a lot of work to do. We're working hard. We did a lot of practicing over the weekend. We're looking forward to this game. What does he repeat over and over again in any comment that he makes addressing any issue with this football team? We're looking forward to the next game. He's got everybody's eyes and thoughts focused on where it needs to be. We can't do anything about these past six games. This is what we are. We're three and three. Let's go beat Pitt on Friday. Let's focus. Let's get better at the things we need to get better at. That's what you want your coach to say. You can change the story. You can change the outcome. You are what you are today, but what are you going to be in a month? What are you going to be in two months? You can change that story. They string together uh, some surprising wins. It's going to be a whole different atmosphere around here. But what's the overlying thought when you listen to Dino? This is the message he's trying to get through. Do everything that I just said, and guess what's going to happen at the end of the game on Friday night? You're going to be four and three. And then after that, you'll move on and you look forward to the next game and maybe you get to five and three. All you can do is win that one game. We're getting up to our last break, so we're going to say good goodbye for today. A lot to discuss tomorrow. We'll be back at three o'clock. Scoop and Rain with the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Matt will get the podcast out and you're on the block next.